Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Pod Save the Queen! Hello and welcome to Pod Save the Queen. I'm your host, Mr. Zoe Forsey, and today we are looking back at 2021. I am joined, as always, by Russell Myers, and also we have a special guest today to help us reflect on the past 12 months in Ian Vogler. Hi, both. Welcome to the show. Hello. How are you? Very you special are. guest. Lovely to Very see you, Ian. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Back by popular demand. Yes. Wow. <laughs> Thanks so, to my mum for messaging in. <laughs> so we are recording this on the uh, oh the day actually the day it goes out so the thirtieth of December. So did you both have lovely Christmases? Yep, I did have a nice Christmas. It was nice to get away. Obviously, Christmas Day was was very busy, which we'll come on to in a second. I thought I would be sitting down to my uh, Christmas dinner nice and early, but it uh, it ended up being a very very busy day in the end. And um, and Ian, you were at Windsor, weren't you? Yeah, it was very weird. We um, we didn't get told we could go to Windsor till the day before. And we got there about nine o'clock uh, without having any knowledge of what had happened previously that morning with the uh, crossbow incident, Russ. Yes, so I'll jump really quickly into that. So obviously the Windsor's, uh, the Royals spent uh, Christmas Day in Windsor after their traditional trip to Sandringham was cancelled. Um, however, there was a bit of drama the night before, which I think, well, as you said, ruined your Christmas Day plans slightly, didn't they, Russell? Can you? Well, no, no. On the morning of, on the morning of Christmas Day, so obviously there was a lot of uh, a lot of changed plans. The Queen was was planning to have uh, all her family over, or at least a, a sizable proportion of them, because we were still within. You know, current guidelines you could have as many people as you want over for Christmas so the Queen was right up until you know a few days before Christmas still planning to go to Sandringham but took the decision to uh, to stay at Windsor Castle and to have sort of a small select band of her family over for Christmas because of the surging COVID, COVID rates and they do not show any sign of abating at all however the big news of the day uh, I mean we did all have been expecting the you know, Queen's speech was definitely going to be about uh, Prince Philip and about quite a tumultuous year for the Queen. We'd had a bit of a preview on uh, on Christmas Eve of the um, of the speech and what it would uh, likely to contain. Um, but at about eight thirty in the morning, the uh, the security at Windsor Castle saw a guy scaling the outer perimeter fence and uh, and running through the grounds and was later found to be have a have a crossbow on him and when i got this call i um i just sort of finished off writing the queen's speech um and was thinking i was going to get my the rest of my day to myself and then i got a call from someone telling me that they that this had happened and that it wasn't uh necessarily well it certainly wasn't known in the sort of wider wider public sphere at, uh, at that time in the morning so uh yeah it was a very very busy day it's a very concerning piece of um uh well issue that they're going to have to look into because this is the third intruder uh in the windsor estate in in the last year i mean the fourth if you count prince andrew being accosted by a woman who ran up to his car and started banging on the window uh, a couple of weeks ago but there's been several other major instances i mean the one that stuck in my mind was the woman who turned up in a cab 
um, to Royal Lodge, where Prince Andrew lives, said that she was not only Prince Andrew's, uh, she was his lunch date and was coming for a meeting with him, but also claimed that she was his fiance and uh, and got the security guards to pay for her cab before she was ushered into the building and was allowed to walk around the place for 20 minutes. So there are major, major issues at hand here. And from the people we'd then spoken to after, the, uh, after this incident with the crossbow, People who, uh, such as Di Davies, such as Ken Wolf, you know, former bodyguards of the royal family, and they've said, you know, there will need to be a major, major reassessment of the Queen's safety at Windsor Castle because it's always been, um, I think, an issue for uh, for security because of the way that the, the you know the makeup of the land and the building. It's not necessarily as fortified as um, somewhere like Buckingham Palace, but uh, one would assume definitely that um, there are going to be major, major calls for some sort of a security evaluation of uh, of what on earth is going on over there. Definitely, it sounds like it was quite a dramatic morning. But Ian, you were there for the you know the royals celebrations that day and their their walk to church but you said it didn't really seem to didn't seem to interrupt their day they still seem to have no, not at all. Time. There, was, um, there was no mention of it everything was just normal we were just taken into the grounds of Windsor Castle opposite St George's Chapel opposite the Galilee porch they call it which is the ancients that the royals went into first of all we had the, the Duke of Gloucester who's uh, a royal but yeah, not not really in the public eye. And then we had uh, Prince Edward and his lovely family. And then last but not least, Prince Charles and Camilla. Charles wished us all a Merry Christmas, said to one of my colleagues, Arthur Edwards, are you sure you should be out today? And Camilla kept <laughs> waving at us. And uh, yeah, it was really lovely. It was short but sweet. I, congregation there is made up mainly of people who, who live in the grounds of Windsor Castle and the apartments there. So I don't think it was a very big congregation, but uh, it was was nice nonetheless to be able to see something because up until the day before, there was nothing for us, no access at all. So it was nice that we got something. And it obviously would have been very disappointing for the family that they didn't get to see all the well wishes because we know that's normally a highlight of their Christmas morning. But fingers crossed you'll you'll be back in Sandringham next year for a more kind of a more normal Christmas morning. Yeah, well, I imagine a nice lovely, commute for you. Yeah, there was a lovely lady outside. I must mention a lovely Welsh lady who was outside Windsor Castle quite early on. And she decorated a bench with balloons and wishing the Queen a Merry Christmas. So I, I took a picture of that. So, um, yeah, there was one person there and there was a couple of others. But, yeah, it was a really – it was a bit too sombre for Christmas. But, yeah, hopefully – Next year, it could be sanctioning, but next year we could see royals, let's say, that we've never seen on Christmas morning before. Let's wait and see. Of course, the biggest story of the last 12 months has been the sad passing of His Royal Highness Prince Philip. On the morning of the 9th of April, the royal family put out a statement which read, It is with deep sorrow that Her Majesty the Queen has announced the death of her beloved husband, His Royal Highness, the Prince Philip, Duke of Edinburgh. The royal family joined with people around the world in mourning his loss. His death sparked weeks and months of mourning from both the royal family and members of the Commonwealth. People came together to remember stories from royal visits, royal tours, engagements and his charity and military work. Well, I mean, we did get a heads up that it was obviously going to be announced. There were rumours flying all over, all over the place in mourning of that uh, of, April 9th um, and uh, and it's it's quite extraordinary when something like that happens because there have been so many rumours of, uh, of Prince Philip's death or his ill health over the last couple of years especially and there starts getting people getting a bit twitchy, texting each other lots of um, rumours flying around and then you know a few minutes before the actual official news breaks we are given an indication that there is going to be a big, big announcement. And uh, and it was absolutely huge because there's been all these plans for so long. And um, you you think about this, the time when that news is going to break. And it's certainly not only for, for Prince Philip, but one day the, the, the Queen will pass. And I don't think we'll have ever seen anything like that, certainly in our lifetimes or even beyond, because of the international attention that it brings. Um, when it did break, my first thought was, well, all, all of our plans that we've had 
for so many years, the briefings that we've had on a, on a fourth bridge, the briefings that we've had about the funeral, who would be coming to London, who would be uh, responsible for the certain announcement, announcements. Well, that was all completely out the window because of the restrictions. I mean, I, 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 there, there obviously were serious. It's, it's, it's funny to think what the restrictions were back at the time, but certainly there was absolutely no way that a normal funeral could have gone ahead um, as was planned in London. Uh, and so everything was sort of ripped up and we were just reporting it as, uh, as it happened. So in all honesty, I think looking back on it, the, uh, the occasion of what actually did happen at Windsor, Can uh, Windsor Castle in the Quadrangle, the smaller scale down service was actually quite fitting. Um, and I think he would have actually preferred it like that, to be honest. I think he didn't want a big pomp and ceremony event. Possibly the uh, the image, I mean, you know, Ian can sort of take us through what his views are of this image, but the, the picture of the Queen completely solitary in St George's Chapel on her own is the enduring image of this pandemic for me. Um, certainly, you know, one of them. I think that Kate Holt Stillbrook had some fantastic images as well, but really sort of hit home the fact that so many other thousands of families were having to say goodbye to their loved ones um, in extraordinary circumstances and the Queen and the Royal Family were, were no different in that instance. Uh, yeah, Prince it's Philip. just amazing picture, wasn't it? There's this woman who'd been married for such a long time and uh, spent all her time in the public eye and she behaved in the, in the most incredible way. She put her personal circumstances to one side and went with the rules and, and did an amazing job really as the leader, as the queen, as the monarch. Yeah, when you look back on it, you had, you know, a very, very small guest list, you know, the queen sitting alone. I mean, we'd, I'd, I'd heard about the Land Rover a few years ago that the, you know, the, the, the Duke of Edinburgh had designed this Land Rover hearse, but had never seen pictures of it. And when you still saw it, uh on the day it was absolutely remarkable uh and it and again the, those little intricacies the little mo those little moments i think were given more attention because it was at windsor and it may have may have got lost certainly if uh, if it was a bigger funeral in london of course you know Har harry was back um all the theater that went with that we were fresh off the um the oprah winfrey inf interview that i'm sure we'll touch upon later but uh, that we're still we're still talking about because the wounds are still very very raw from that. Um, the fact that the Queen had put Peter Phillips in between William and Harry in the cortege when they're walking um, with the coffin, it was all there, and I think it was so so many layers for us to pour over. Um, but really, the 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 main thing was. Um, of the, of the Queen being forced to sit on her own. And I uh, think that that is something that still, you know, we're still talking about it. We spoke about it a, couple, a week or two ago, didn't we? When the, the issues with the Downing Street parties, how people were forced to live under all manner of restrictions. And yet you had the Queen leading from the front, as, as Ian says, and, um, and doing what needed to be done, done on, the, on, the, on the day for the occasion. Prince Philip um, left behind a very large family. Obviously, they had, with the Queen, he shared four children, eight grandchildren, and ten great-grandchildren. And in kind of the 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 senior order, as they say, we started getting tributes uh, from the family in the days after he passed, uh, starting with the children and then moving on to the grandchildren. And um, Are there any that particularly stuck out in your mind, Russell? Well, I love the I love the picture of uh, of the great grandchildren that the Duke and Duchess of Cambridge put up. Uh, I remember seeing it on their Instagram, and and there's a few more additions now, isn't there? I mean, we've got Lilibet. I mean, Archie isn't in that photograph. You got Lilibet, Archie, August, Sienna. Uh, who's Tyndall's? I always forget the Tyndall's. Maybe Lucas. Lucas. Um, and you know, there's a, there's a fair few more of them now, but. Something that they talked about, um, and William has spoken about, about how he was not only their, you know, the head of the family. I mean, the Queen always spoke about she was head, head of the monarchy. That's what was always considered. But he, he was head of the family. But the, the lessons that they've taken from him, and again, the Queen mentioned that in her Christmas speech. She mentioned that... Um, she had great pride that the both her son and grandson in, in Prince uh, Charles and 
Prince William had had followed on from his example, talking about the environment, looking into uh, climate change, environmentalism. And I think that that's, um, that's really important on one aspect, but his family was, was equally important to him as well. And I think that that's, that was really captured with, uh, with Kate and William's post on, uh, on Instagram following his death. And I love, there was a lovely photo of Prince George uh, on the carriage, wasn't there? What did you think of that one, Ian? Well, I think, if I'm not mistaken, that's the same carriage that came to the funeral. And I, I was at the funeral, sort of minding my own business, and the press officer, she said to me, in a minute, the Duke's favourite carriage is going to come along, and uh, he'll just they're going to put his cap and gloves where he used to sit. And I took that picture, and I thought it was a really touching, poignant picture. It was, you know, his little pot of sugar lumps that he gave to the horses and his hat and gloves. And it, it just stood out as really poignant, but, you know, kind of thing that anyone might have their favourite car or something. And there's his favourite carriage. Again, one of those things, that if it hadn't been at Windsor, may, may have been totally missed, may never have happened. I agree. That was such a moving photo for me. It was one of the, that photograph that you took was one of the, the kind of images that really stands in my head from it. Um, and I also particularly like Prince Harry's uh, tribute as well. He obviously spoke about how um, his grandfather remembered as the longest reigning consort to a monarch and all his service and military work. But he also said that to me, like many of you have lost a loved one or a grandparent over the pain of this past year. He was my grandpa, master of the barbecue, a legend of banter and cheeky right till the end, which I think really captured, um, you know. I'm not, I'm not too sure what Prince, I'm not too sure what Prince Philip would have uh, taken a bit. What's he called? King, legend of banter. Um, I mean, was, yes, <laughs> master of the barbecue, legend of banter. <laughs> it's, it's probably take the master of the barbecue. I'm not too sure the legend of banter, but uh, you know, we, we haven't, we probably should have started with the, following on from from what happened on christmas day but speaking about the queen's message and the, the fact we're speaking about um philip the the lines about the i mean obviously the the the, the speech I, I presumed it would be quite philip heavy but it was really really um centered on philip and about how uh the the, the queen and the and the rest of the royal family were missing him i think she reflected on how there would be one familiar laugh missing from her family gathering and you know I mean, I take it you watched it. Did you? I thought it was very, very emotional. I thought it was probably one of it the really was, most, yeah, most emotional speeches ever. I think it was. It was a moving speech, obviously knowing what the family have been through. But I just think it was one that so many people can relate to because you know, many of us have lost loved ones in the last couple of years, in particular. And I think that that line it really got me actually about that laugh mm. missing at Christmas time. What did you think of it, Ian? I think it was good. I think, was it a veiled attack on, on those that haven't been following the rules, perhaps? I mean, the Queen never says anything without going into great depth before she says it. But, yeah, it was really touching. Yeah, maybe. I mean, she said, you know, I, I, I like the, the the line saying, this year especially I can understand why. And there was that sort of recognition that, of, of course, um, there have been an awful lot of people who have suffered and, dare I say it, that the, the, the royals, when it's a, a choice of going from your castle to your manor house or, or vice versa for your, for your Christmas lunch, sometimes people can think it's, a, it's slightly ludicrous that we, we worry about whether, whether the Queen is, uh, is going to be able to fulfil her Christmas plans. But on that central theme of losing, you know, your lover, your loved one for, for, for 70, you've been married to me for 73 years, I think... It's uh, there is common grounds there, and I think that everybody who had listened to that speech, whether you're a monarchist or, or, or not, you can definitely identify the fact that someone had lost their life partner and what an awful wrench that would be. Whether you're you know prince or pauper, um, it's definitely something that that was very important to her to make the uh, the, the speech about him. I like the fact that she was talking about the mischievous, inquiring twinkle was as bright at the end when I first set eyes on him. And the sort of imagery that was used as well, because it's a big production. It started with the broadcast of uh, the speech she made in 1997. Do you remember the speech where she described Philip as my strength and stay all these years? And, uh, and certainly from the language that she was using, um, I think that continued right the way th through until you know, his, his, uh, his, um, his death, because again, come back to this fact of she's head of the monarchy, he was head of the family, but her, her closest confidant 
undoubtedly someone that she leaned on someone that his opinion she um she respected and had the utmost respect for so i do think that she will be particularly lonely uh without his counsel and um and although you know the the, the family made a major major effort to uh, to make sure that she wasn't alone over christmas I, i'm sure as, as she did say herself there were um, there would be one familiar laugh laughing and that's um, laugh missing rather and that that's what um that's what really struck me from that speech and um, while there's obviously been lots of extremely sad moments for the royal family in 2021 there's also been lots of lovely moments and four in particular as we've welcomed four new royal babies which has been when you look back at it, quite quite busy. That's that would normally be an event of the year, wouldn't it? That is a lot, yeah. I mean, so who yeah. who who do we have first? We had August, uh, August, February 9th. Yeah, for Eugenie and Jack. Then we had uh, Lucas Tyndall, March the twenty first. Got I got here from your notes, Zoe. Born on the bathroom floor. I mean, I forgot about that to be honest. I mean, it was so pretty. did I until I was doing that. It was, yeah. it was mad when that came out because obviously Mike Tyndall, as he tends to do, shares details on his, on his rugby podcast, podcast, yeah. And he just kind of dropped that into conversation, which I think gave all of us sitting in the newsroom a bit of a. It shows I was typing you. quite frantically for that ten minutes. It shows after you that. what a year we've had because that again would have been a massive. I think it was quite an interesting story at the time, but the fact that. Um, it's escaped my memory. But then we had Lilibet born on Lilibet. June the 4th. And uh, and last but not least, Sienna was born in September. Gosh, that's gone quickly. I thought that was, uh, you know, just just yesterday. It really but, um, has. And obviously, in tribute to Philip, we had uh, both of the boys had Philip as their middle name, August and Lucas Philip. And Sienna has Elizabeth as her middle name as well, which is really lovely. But what really struck me about the four babies we had this year is how differently they were all announced. We kind of had the full scale, didn't we, of, uh, usually and Jack did the very traditional, you know, public announcement. We then got the first baby photo, but then all the way down to um, baby Lilybet, who we only actually saw for the first time in the Sussex's Christmas card photo. Yeah. What did you think of the Christmas card photo, Ian? Yeah, I thought it was a, a really nice picture. I mean, it's, uh, it's... Even with Harry's feet? Well, uh, <laughs> I, I just mom, about let him off for the ripped jeans. I'm not too sure yeah. if he's, he did see his feet. My mum likes having an opinion on these things. And her, her comment was, for, for all the money he's got, why has he got a great big hole in his jeans? <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, it was, a, it was a nice picture, very stylized, very, very nice. I mean, compared to the uh, one I was just looking at, Princess Beatrice and Baby Sienna, which was pretty damn bad, actually. It was a very nice picture, yeah. Very nicely done. So perhaps you know shoes and shoes and jeans without holes next year. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, maybe maybe we'll do one of our our next Christmas. I mean, we got a lot of love for our our Christmas hats, Zoe. Oh, really? Last week, everyone was finding it quite hilarious. The um, what did you think of the Cambridges picture in Jordan? Oh, that's that's another lovely picture, isn't it? I'm not sure. Do we know where that was in Jordan? I'm not sure. That Petra. Was, oh, in Petra. That was probably done back in the summer. Yeah, also a lovely picture. Beautiful daylight, nicely posed. It's yeah, anyone's kids to sit still that long. It's it's pretty good. So, <laughs> so that's well done, that's definitely so. it's definitely a professional photograph, isn't it? So they would have hired someone to. I mean, it was a private holiday. You know, it's actually in October. So they. Their private private holiday that they would have then hired someone probably got in touch with um, the Jordanian royal family, I would imagine, and said, you've "Yeah, got well, as we found out recently, yeah, as we found out recently, they're they're, they're they're quite close, aren't they? It's um, Prince William's close with uh, this this the prince, the son of the king, isn't he? He's very friendly with him. Yes." As we found out, they seem to have a plethora of royal court photographers, don't they? So, um, <laughs> Indeed, yeah. They don't mind walking in front of me. We'll let that go for the minute. But yeah, they've Not that you're bitter about it, yeah. No. <laughs> probably got one of them today. Yeah, it's a really nice picture. I mean, lovely daylight like that helps, but I don't know how they got the kids to sit still for that long. Well, well done to them for that, because yeah. that's hard. Well, they normally say that's why Kate likes taking them because she has a bit more, she can get them to sit there, but it's always the pictures with her in that you, yeah, you think especially Louis in particular, that's very much, mm. well, based on what the photos were like from our family Christmas this year. Yeah, I bet. There's <laughs> one shot yeah. of them looking nice and then them looking very stroppy and just eyeing up the toy that they would go and play with in the, cor- off the corner of the shot. Now, speaking of Jordan, 
while this while 2021 was still a very weird year there were some signs of normality mainly being that you two got two lovely trips we will so royal tours almost three yeah yeah royal tours back on the agenda i mean pff, I, I, it's something that we've been missing for so long and not just of course we're very fortunate to go to these um these wonderful places um but of course it makes not only the job more interesting, but I do think that um, for the Royals to be actually out there and doing, you know, the job, whether that's at home or abroad, it does make a big difference. And you talk about the fact of why, why do they go to these places? Why were they Jordan? Why are they in Egypt? Well, it comes back to this notion of soft diplomacy and it really does work because when you're talking about things like uh, Prince Charles going to Jordan, his collaboration with the Jordanian royal family, which is um, which is something that's very, very important to our, our monarchy, especially there are big issues at hand. You're talking about climate change, the refugee crisis is very, very centred upon Jordan. They have, what's it, it's over 3 million refugees um, and counting in Jordan. And they really do need sort of the, the support and the attention of the wider world. Uh, and then you have the added um, interest of climate change, both in Jordan, some crazy facts. I think, aren't they the, the, the third least water, um, or the third most water reliant country in, in, the, in, in the world? They've got the least amount of water. It's going to last them until the 2040s or something. It's an, it's an, it's an incredible stat. I think that's Absolutely right. Yeah. Mad, yeah. And, and then, so and then of- sorry, I just, so then, and then you've got, you know, Prince Charles talking about COP26, going into COP27, that's why we were in Egypt. Um, and then we were lucky enough to go to Barbados as well and see, sort of see the transition of Barbados from a, a realm into a republic. Uh, and I just hope that this year, forthcoming year, isn't as blighted by the sort of coronavirus restrictions because there are some really big trips planned. Um, we don't necessarily know the full details of them yet, but one would assume you will get senior members of the royal family, such as uh, Charles and Camilla or the Cambridges going to Canada or Australia, two of the major, major realms that they'll have to visit. There's talk of the, um, the Wessexes going to the Caribbean. Uh, and of course, there'll be an awful lot more trips because it's Platinum Jubilee year. So I do, I do hope that we, uh, we are able to sort of report on, the, on these instances over, over the next few months because it is going to be a really, really interesting year. Yeah, I've just got... Um... Invictus Games is back on uh, beginning of next year. Just got oh, an yes. email. Not it sure. Is, yes. Not sure. So that's in April. So that's in April. Yeah. So one would assume one would assume that that will be going ahead because you know with what we'll have had, we have three va- vaccine, you know, double jab boosters. It's been cancelled twice. I think there would be an awful lot of. Um, pent up uh, excitement to try and get that event going again. So we were potentially going to The Hague in April for that event. And then what will that mean, you know, potentially to see Harry and Meghan potentially in Europe once more? Um, you know, it's all up in the air a bit at the moment. I think there is, there's, there, I think there'll be things before that as well, because Platinum Jubilee year kicks off in February and it's going to be a very, very exciting time for the Royals. But um I suppose we'll, we'll just sort of find out as, as and when. I've, so many plans are still still up in the air, unfortunately, aren't they? Now, as obviously two people who were very lucky enough to go on those trips, what were your highlights of Royal Tours this year from a personal point? Russell, starting with you. Well, uh, maybe Queen Rania driving the Tesla, driving uh, the Duchess of Cornwall through the streets of Amman in a Tesla in sky high high <laughs> hills I've been very very impressed from that moment I loved the car she is first class I mean we always talk about how Ian and I love working with um, the Duchess of Cornwall because she is just fantastic to deal with she loves the press being there rather than you know some of the others tolerating us being there she knows exactly what is needed for the organisations that she's representing, that she's got a real unique opportunity to help them. And Queen Rania was was just incredible as well. I did a couple of the engagements that they had together and I was really, really impressed with both of them and how uh, Queen Rania is, is, is 
as as good if not better with with the press and um and dealing with the the media side of of the job as well but i love love being in jordan really really um fantastic to go to Uncase as well which is one of the you know incredible wonders of the world um that we've been fortunate enough to see in this job and ian what was your highlight Probably um, the pyramids in Egypt. That was really, really lovely to see. It was utter chaos when we got there. Um, just people everywhere. They didn't close it off. There was a bizarre stag do, wasn't there? I don't know if they were British, those guys. Like hundreds <laughs> of guys in yeah, T-shirts. Was. Yeah, that was incredible. Like hundreds of guys in T-shirts, like we did the pyramids on <laughs> so-and-so stag. So, like, oh, my, they're going to get in the way. I think just as the royals were about to arrive, as I mentioned last time, there's a stray dog in the way. It was all a bit crazy. <laughs> but then when they arrived, it all just magically fell into place. And the Duke and Duchess, they walked around, and the Sphinx and the sun was setting and it was, it was absolutely fantastic. And then there was the Stray Volivant. But anyway, we've, we've covered that <laughs> in the past. We People won't don't talk need to be about, reminded. yeah. No, we won't. The Stray Volivant. Fully recovered, fully recovered. That was, a, that was pretty special. That was very, very special actually, being able to, to see, you know, the, the pyramids, the Sphinx, the, the, the pictures from, from that event were fantastic. Um, that whole day was, was, will live long in the memory, I think. And again, I think that Charles and Camilla were probably the right ones to kick off Royal Tours again, because they're going to be a lot more, a lot busier next year, one would assume. Uh, I definitely think we'll see a major, major tour in the first six months, one would assume from them, um, because they've got to be out there flying the flag. We said before, the realms need to be visited. There is obviously the uh, the political atmosphere, um, which is ever charged in the sort of Caribbean islands, whether certain you know members of the Commonwealth will go the same way as Barbados. I think that Jamaica might be wavering there's certainly been a bit of political appetite there to to potentially go their own way uh who will be next will we see uh another major realm like canada or australia going the way of uh, of becoming a republic talking to to some of the people i work with in australia they they think that that would be quite unlikely but never say never because i definitely think the makeup of the royal family is ever changing and um and if like the people of Barbados, they they don't see it within their interests anymore, then um, it could all happen very, very quickly, I think. And looking ahead to next year, do you think we're likely to see the Cambridges? Because obviously Prince Louis hasn't done a royal tour yet, has he? Which is older well, than obviously because of the last two years. Yeah, it's, obviously, it's, it's quite difficult, isn't it? Because, I mean, having, you know, I think they've taken the children abroad with them before, but it's obviously quite difficult having three of them. Louis quite, they're all different ages. It's very different when they're not in full-time school and of course you have George and Charlotte who are eight and seven now so they would need to go on their summer or their autumn holidays which would possibly put you into let's for instance if they went to Canada or they went to um, Australia you'd, you'd probably want a better season than the winter to get to go to to either those places so you necessarily might not go to Canada in the winter and you might not go to um, Australia in our summer stroke their winter so uh, I don't know really I definitely I definitely think we will see them do something as a family together I can't imagine that both William and Kate would want to leave the children at home for let's say 10 days to two weeks of a royal tour so if they were to go to one of those major countries then yeah it's it's um it's of course uh, a distinct possibility that we might see them all together and the added benefit of it being in a platinum jubilee year um when all the focus will be really on celebrating the queen throughout the the nation and the commonwealth and i think um it's good to have the cambridges out there as a family as well because um they're sort of running running out of senior working royals aren't they so they're going to have to um, to look to the future and, and, and there's probably no better chance than a, than a Royal Tour to do that. Now, Russell, you briefly mentioned COP26 earlier and climate change has been a real theme for the family, all different generations of it uh, in the last, well, for several years, but particularly in the last 12 months with the Earthshot Prize and obviously COP26 and playing a huge role in that. So what you know, what have been the main points that have stood out in your memory from the really important subjects the family have been discussing and highlighting? 
Well, of course, you've got Prince William's Earthshot project, project uh, Earthshot Prize. Um, you know, further back than that, uh, throughout the whole year, we were constantly writing about Prince Charles celebrating uh, sort of 50 years of campaigning for the environment, and uh, you know, the landscape has really shifted in the in the last few decades. I mean, he was considered to be a bit of a loony. I think he said. Um, you know, in his own words, people did take him very, very seriously back in the, the 70s when he was speaking about the scourge of plastics and climate change and the environment. And of course, he's he's been proved right on it. And uh, both him and William have a huge affection and affiliation with Sir David Attenborough. And, and we've seen them work together uh, on, on projects for the BBC and for Netflix. And um, and I definitely hope to see more collaboration of that. It's incredible that, uh, I think, isn't um, David Asperger, he's, he's in his mid-90s himself at the moment, but he's still you know going incredibly strong. Uh, and of course, COP26 was, it didn't really, it didn't really capture the imagination. It was a success in some instances um, and not others. I'm not, I'm, I think it was very, very frustrating that they didn't get some of the deals signed that they were, were the real fr- f- supposed to be the flagship moments um, from that event. I mean, one of the big things, which was probably pre-COP, was the Queen's uh, comments hitting out on uh, the world leaders, we presume to be sort of China, Russia, Australia. Remember when she was um, she was in Wales and uh, after the Senate and saying it's really irritating when they talk but they don't do and this was something that she said <laughs> um, to Camilla and uh, and one of the the the, the sort of uh, the, the Welsh parliamentarians and um, you know not mincing her words really hitting out at the fact that there's been lots of there have been lots of world leaders who hadn't committed their time certainly we hadn't had Putin there Xi Jinping wasn't there there was. Um, uh, an awful lot of um, issues surrounding the conference, and, and although uh, Scott Morrison did get on a plane and uh, and did attend as well, there was certainly uh, a bit of needle going on between the Australians and uh, and the rest of the COP attendees because they hadn't sort of committed to to the to the larger project. So there's plenty more to look forward to. I think we're going to have some more. Uh, things in the year to do with Earthshot no doubt that will be launched again at some stage this is a 10 year project for, for Prince William so um, so you know and no better time as any again the Platinum Jubilee year hopefully getting out to, to visit different international countries and, uh, and members of the Commonwealth then, uh, then they'll be able to, to raise the issues once more and the Earthshot prize ceremony itself was fantastic as well wasn't it as raised awareness for so many fantastic projects around the world and also just in terms of a glamorous event it was nice there was lots of rules about think about what you wear don't buy a new outfit the attend like lots of the winners and people involved didn't fly in they purposely said you know don't get on a huge plane and you know put all that well it was i mean it was you know if you can't be worthy at a uh, an international climate conference then when can you i suppose but um yeah there, there was a little bit of of that of course which was it's it's right to set the right tone isn't it um but then but then you know kate was wearing a 1400 pound cardigan for the for the christmas for yeah. the christmas do so I, i'm not too sure how sustainable that was but listen Without being facetious, it is a fantastic project. It's going to be running for the next 10 years. And I think that uh, it is something that will have real tangible change. And certainly you are going to see a passing of the baton, whether it is, um, actually, not, I was going to say whether it is completely public, but Charles has mentioned it about how proud he is of William taking um, taking on this you know, life's work I suppose about the environment certainly the Queen has mentioned her pride about them taking the mantle from Philip so um, once Charles's role changes in the future once he becomes monarch um, obviously Charles, uh, Williams will have to change with it Now there's been lots of other really interesting engagements over the years so I'm going to ask you both if there are any that your particular favourites are ones you really remember. Ian, of the events you've been to, what were your highlights? I think that one of the nicest things I did all year was the Earthshot um, event. Just before the main event, they did something at uh, Kew Gardens, wasn't it? Where there was a load of kids there and the royals sat down with the kids and did various activities. It was really good fun. They really got into it. 
I thought that was really nice. It was very laid back and, and very natural. It's probably my personal standout because it's just been one of those years where it's been all a bit thin on the ground. And Russell, what about yourself? Uh, as in engagements or, you know, abroad as well? I mean, again, super fortunate to have gone to Barbados, uh, witnessing something like that. Huge, huge moment in history. I keep coming back to it because I do think it will be a, a, a period not only within our sort of royal careers, but within history that we will be talking about that moment for for many, many years to come, because I do think that it's, it's potentially a problem um, for the monarchy. I commended Prince Charles for going because he was he was obviously invited, quite, um, quite a tricky one to go to because his, his family, indeed his mother and himself, has, and they've, they've had um, the, the sums turned down on their role within, within, uh, within that realm. And I think it's probably the, the right time for the right country. Some countries will still want that association with the royal family. Barbados has chosen to become a republic because they, um, they see their prosperity outside the association with uh, with having the Queen as the head of the state and who can blame them. It does seem quite archaic at times when you've got a, uh, a head of state that sits several thousand miles away and, um, and doesn't necessarily have you know, a day-to-day -day affiliation with the country um, in this day and age. However, it, it does work for, for certain other countries. And I don't, I don't necessarily think it will happen in Australia, but um, it was, um, I really, really enjoyed it. I loved meeting the people there. I thought it was a really special time. And, um, and uh, you know, there's, there's, there's plenty to look forward to this year, I think. I think we had a quite, not only a tumultuous year because of the pandemic, because of everything that meant, obviously an awful lot of suffering gone on, the fallout to do with um, the Oprah Winfrey interview that I'm sure you want to speak about because that has been... Yes, that is up next. <laughs> well, let's just go straight into it then because that has well, been... Well, no, before we start with incredible. that, I just want to talk about in a complete contrast to the highlight that you mentioned of you know the very important issue about you know countries around the world and the commonwealth one of my highlights of the year was the james bond premiere well and of course very yes. glitzy yeah don't take my chance to talk about i'm fashion. sorry yeah yeah <laughs> well, we, we've got to talk about the green velvet jacket and the polo neck yes well of course well i was actually fortunate enough to be there as well and how could we forget not only uh william looking very dashing in his velvet jacket his tuxedo but Kate's dress, I mean, for a fashion expert such as myself, even I was blown away <laughs> by this. Uh, it was gold, wasn't it? It was. It was. It was. I mean, I'm going to really embarrass myself and start talking about it more. But take take me through. Who who's who was it? Jenny Packham. Yes, it was. It was a fantastic dress. It was a, and a proper red carpet dress and a proper James Bond dress as well. I don't think she could have got it any better. And I will say when we're kind of briefly discussing fashion, we actually have a bonus episode for you this year, this week even which is a look back at all the fashion from 2021. I am joined by uh, one of the fashion experts from OK Magazine, Scott Wells. I will admit it was originally due to be a little 10-minute drop into this episode. However, when Scott and I looked at the time, we'd realised we'd been speaking for 45 minutes. So Dan has said that it, <laughs> apparently a two-hour podcast is a bit too much, so we split it into two. So that will be something later in the week. And it was really good, actually. Scott reminded me of so many great fashion moments from this year that I'd completely forgotten, but it won't surprise you. And a spoiler alert, that the gold dress is discussed a lot. So I will leave that for now. I didn't get the Ian... call. I didn't get no, the call for this. I, I think you, you must have been busy that day. <laughs> but Ian, very quickly, because there were some of the... Um, cars there that day on the red carpet as well weren't there lots of brilliant images of because charles and we shouldn't must remember that charles and camilla were there as well because they look fantastic but and she did that's just a cool fantastic yeah I, I wasn't there i must have been somewhere else that that day but yeah i mean just looking at the pictures <clears throat> i mean anything with with Kate and an Aston Martin in, as, you know, is going to publish for... Uh, what, what's interesting, though, you're looking at it now, so Daniel Craig's in a velvet jacket, and so is Prince William. So who rang who? 
Yeah, <laughs> that's your hit. Check pink on the dress code, one, wasn't it? Yeah, the pink yeah. one for for Mister Bond as well. Russell and I do that before assignments, so we ring each other. Up, so <laughs> yeah. yeah, check. We're not going to clash. I was going to say that would just be embarrassing, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah, but I mean, who rang who? I just I just wear play it played check shirts these days. <laughs> yeah, I think Russell's retraining as a if, if you're not able to see on if you're not able to see on our photograph this this week, I'm wearing a lumberjack shirt, and there's one in the background of the bedroom that I'm recording in that is exactly the same that belongs to my wife. <laughs> Rather pathetic. Logs are available. <laughs> I don't yeah. think um, that belongs to your wife. So is that a, ma- a matching outfit? It, it, yeah, we don't wear them at the same time, I must say, because that, that would be particularly sad. But yeah, anyway, moving on swiftly. <laughs> So we've, as I said, we, it's time now to come on to Meghan and Harry. So this is their, well, coming up to their second, well, it will almost be two years since they announced that mm. they were stepping back from their senior roles. And I think it's fair to say that this year they've kind of seemed to have full swing in terms of there's been, well, f- I think we've had four, three big interviews, obviously one main interview, which we will discuss. We've had book deals, we've had a children's book, we've had singing the theme tune from the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. We've had an awful lot of things going on, but obviously let's start start off by talking about the um, Oprah interview, which as you said... Oh, here we go. Here we go. Well, Well, I mean, we are going to be talking about this for many years to come. I mean, you've got claims of abandonment, no help for mental health, the racism claim that sparked an international manhunt for the alleged royal racist, uh, Harry accusing William and Charles of being trapped in the uh, monarchy, the fact that he said that they would potentially leave at, the, at uh, a moment's notice if they had the opportunity like he had, and then bemoaning the fact that he was cut off financially by his father, even though he's worth you know several tens of millions himself. Um, quite an extraordinary interview and we are still picking up the pieces certainly the the family is still picking up the pieces you had the queen's um statement afterwards of saying recollections may vary there's certainly uh an awful lot going on behind the scenes to try and work out what sort of um relationship the queen senior members of the royal family such as charles and uh, and william will be able to have with uh, with harry and Meghan. i'm sure that there is um, a willingness on all sides um, to, to try and, I don't think you'll ever get back to, to, to how relations were, but to try and make them more cordial for the benefit of each other and for the for the monarchy at large. Because once, uh, you know, the infighting starts and the cracks begin to develop with those relationships, and it's an awful lot harder to, to try and keep everything together. Um, I think you will see... Uh, a strengthening of ties here. I've often said that. I think that 2022 was always going to be the year of them trying to do more collaboration with each other, whether that's helping each other out on, you know, projects like the environment uh, that Charles and William will do, whether it's about early development or children or um, uh, issues that, that Sophie Wessex and, and Duchess of Cambridge do. Maybe we'll see some collaboration there. I definitely think that that will be something that they both want to do um but there's there's you know the wounds are still very very raw from that speech i think that you know was was it a right decision to do they were certainly harry and Meghan were certainly happy with the way that things went um i think i was looking back on some of the headlines at the time you know screaming you know, worst crisis for 85 years this is the end of the monarchy and, and i think that when you're in the belly of the beast and, and reporting on it or reading or consuming it as many, many millions of people who did. I think it was, you know, in excess of 80 million people who'd seen that interview. Um, it's uh, it's become one of the major, major talking points of not only the the past 12 months, but of course that how the monarchy operates. I think you had William having to face down a, a question by a reporter saying, is the royal family a racist family? And him, you know, tossing back and saying, the royal family is very much not a racist family. And this, the, the, him answering these questions is absolutely extraordinary in itself. And the fact that uh, people are still pouring over these details of that chat, the James Corden chat, um, you know, Megan going on Ellen, I think I found the most extraordinary because I thought Ellen had been cancelled for her own behaviour. And then you've got <laughs> Meghan Markle turning up on her show you know, doing skits in California, it all seemed a bit weird, to be honest. But um, 
we haven't really seen too much from William, uh, sorry, from the Sussexes, because I don't think they have been able to get their big projects off the ground. Of course, we've been in and out of restrictions. We've had um, an awful lot go wrong for them, essentially. They haven't been able to go abroad. They haven't been able to get Art 12 off the ground. They've only done one podcast, haven't they? So Spotify might be asking for a few million of their uh, <laughs> their big $25 million deal back. But um, I do th- I do think we're going to see some a lot more of them in 2025, but 2020, 2022 rather. Um, but whether they're as relevant now, I mean, it's arguable, isn't it? I, I would argue that they're not, and I don't. I think that the 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 winds has has changed in the UK. Um, whether they have in places like America, Australia, whether there still is an appetite for them, um, we we will see. Because once they, it's undoubted there is there is still an appetite. You you probably know more from looking at the sort of numbers of you know engagement um, on the on our website. What, what what do you think? Do you think the appetite's still there for them? I think, yeah, I think there's, when we see different bits and parts, but as you said, we haven't had too much from them, um, apart from the interviews and things, but I think there is, lots of people are still interested to hear what they have to say, it's just, there's always a lot of debate around it, isn't there, so it's still very much split, I think lots of people really just hope they go off and live the private life that they perhaps said they wanted while others are still really interested in every detail and I think that the first photo of Lilibet and Archie's incredible hair very much could mm. prove that everyone, yeah is very excited about too but we did see one of one lovely project we did see from Megan was her children's book The Bench which was released which told a story with um you know of, of the son's relationship with uh, their father which was really nice I mean, they plugged it to death. So you know, they, they, they've, they've talked about it at every given opportunity. I, I don't know. Was it was it for charity? The bench. I don't. I don't know if it was. One would assume. Hold on, I'm going to look I, this up. I think so. Yeah. I've... I tell you what, I didn't get in the in the Ellen interview. Right. So Megan says, "Oh yeah, I used to come to the studio. I used to park in the parking lot. That's a car park in English." And apparently there's something wrong with her car, which meant every time she wanted to get in it, she had to go around the back, open the boot and climb through to the front. Why didn't she just open the passenger door and slide across? <laughs> yeah, there was, Am I missing something? There was some, I, I just didn't, I just didn't like, I mean, I don't, I've never really liked Ellen DeGeneres. I don't like her interview style. I've always found her a bit mean and not necessarily because of the heart, the whole scandal that she'd been involved in. Anyway, it's a personal opinion. But I think that, um, yeah, I can't, I can't find any... Maybe I'm, I stand to be corrected on this, but I didn't think that the bench was for charity. Um, may, maybe, maybe it will be, but I, I, I can't remember seeing anything that the bench... And it was like, what was it, 65 words long or whatever? Anyway, she's a published author and I'm not, so maybe I'm just being petty but they they did send copies of it they sent 2000 copies of it to schools and libraries <sighs> well which i know isn't the great same for them i mean god i mean 2000 copies there's probably hundreds and thousands of schools millions of schools in the states anyway let's just say that i wasn't that impressed with the bench it might have been a nice project it was quite it was beautifully illustrated it was a beautiful book it looked it had nice. 65 words in it i mean i'm reading my my daughter Anyway, I'm not too sure who would be interested in it, but uh, enough of being being facetious. Listen, there will be better projects for them to be involved in. I think some of the hype surrounding them has been because they haven't done very much, and maybe that is because they haven't been able to get their projects off the ground. But when they have done something, there is obviously interest in them because they haven't done very much, and there obviously is... People are looking forward to see what they do next, and they have to stay relevant, don't they? So maybe that's why you have to jump onto somewhere like Ellen DeGeneres. I think the difference with the Ellen interview was it—it it was a very much a celeb interview. It wasn't a royal, you know, obviously the uh, Oprah interview, and also the, even the James Corden interview. While it was very James mm. Corden style, it was still really talking about royal life, and there was that where obviously it was James Corden who's grown up with the royal family in terms of obviously it was from the UK. Ellen felt very celeb which isn't a style that perhaps we're used to seeing as much over here no. um, and I think really highlighted the new lives there now 
leading and was talking about her as an actress rather than talking about her as a royal. But one line that we can't not mention from that James Corden chat was the Queen's um, Christmas present to Archie. Uh, which is a waffle maker. Yes. Which, well, that, that is first world being crocodile, which is extraordinary. But uh, the, the waffle maker was, was one of the, the highlights of that interview. And yeah, the fact that Paul everyone... Harry had never been on an open top bus until until he was able, able to ro- roll around the streets of Los Angeles. It's got to be nicer doing it in LA than it's got to be yeah. doing the one in London. I, think <laughs> yeah, I, did, exactly. I did exactly. the one in Prague once and it was absolutely <laughs> It was wearing about four jumpers. Yeah, I think I think that's the way the way to go. But obviously, without the Sussexes here in the UK, Sophie Wessex has taken a step up. And I know you uh, have been, you know, you've learned a lot more about her work, which is really interesting. And she's shone a spotlight on some incredible causes. Yeah, definitely. I mean, she's always spoken very, very eloquently on uh, girls' education. Uh, sexual violence in in Africa that she's done an awful lot on. She's spoke for the UN. She's a fantastic patron of some major charities like the uh, the NSPCC in the UK. Uh, and I think there's an awful lot more to come because Sophie spoke very very eloquently on about sort of child uh, internet safety. That's something that she's very very passionate about. She made a major speech as part of a, a UN uh, group in Brussels several weeks ago. So again, I think Watch This Space has something to do with Sophie, maybe some big collaboration uh, on ongoing with uh, several other members of the royal family. And indeed, there were reports that they're going to the Caribbean. So in the Platinum Jubilee year with Edward, maybe they take the children as well. They're a very, very nice couple, right? I mean, Ian's worked with Sophie before on more occasions than I, She's, she's great to work with right in. Yeah, she's great. Like you say, she's done does a lot of stuff um, women-related, doesn't she? Maybe doesn't get <clears throat> tons of coverage, uh, something we should readdress. But, yeah, she's, she's hardworking, uh, a, you know, really lovely lady. I think she's got quite close to the Queen, hasn't she, over the last few years as well? Yeah. Seems to be very close to the Queen now. Yeah, and she and she shares a birthday with yours truly. So what's not to love about it? Oh, plain shirts all round. <laughs> there was certainly lots of talk that Sophie was one of the you know the Queen's close group that really supported her through uh, Prince Philip's death earlier in the year, and was one of the people she really uh, kind of lent on in what must have been you know obviously the kind of extremely difficult period. So, yeah, looking forward to seeing lots yes. more of the Wessexes this year. Now, Russell, probably the hardest job I'm going to ask of you during this podcast recording is trying to ask you to summarise what the Prince Andrew case has looked like in the last year. And obviously yeah. we've got we've had some breaking news uh, in the last 24 hours about it, which we will discuss properly in next week's programme because we didn't want it to take over today. Um, but yeah, so can you give us a very brief update on where things are uh, with Prince Andrew? Well, of course, yeah, big breaking news overnight is that uh, the verdict was delivered for the Glenn Maxwell trial. And I think, um, you know, there's a lot of uh, celebration in certain quarters. Certainly the, the, the lawyers who are campaigning for justice on behalf of the victims from the from Jeffrey Epstein, Ghislaine Maxwell. Um, there has been an awful lot of discussion over, uh, over this over the last few years, and Ghislaine Maxwell is now facing 65 years in jail. She was convicted on five of the six counts that she was facing. I think that is an extraordinary um, result for the prosecutors. I think that um, the way that the trial worked out was uh, quite extraordinary. Ghislaine Maxwell didn't give any, um, she didn't take the stand. She, they only called nine witnesses to the prosecution's 33, I believe. And uh, and she's facing an awful long time, possibly the, you would assume the rest of her life behind bars because the most serious charge of, uh, of sex trafficking is, uh, is carries a 40-year jail term. So what does this all mean for Prince Andrew? Well, you know, there's been an awful lot of commentary around whether Ghislaine Maxwell will start singing like a canary in order to try and reduce her sentence because not only is she facing a huge, a huge sentence, she must know um, a lot of secrets about some very famous, rich and powerful people. Now, whether that does include Prince Andrew remains to be seen. However, he is facing a very... A tricky situation himself because his lawyer so so far on several occasions failed to get his civil case against 
Virginia Giffray, who is uh, uh, another victim of Jeffrey Epstein and Galen Maxwell, um, to have that thrown out. And the latest last ditch attempt this week was because Galen, um, because they were his his team was saying that Virginia Giffray is not a resident of the United States. She lives in Australia. This doesn't have jurisdiction to be considered in a New York court. But any time they have uh, tried to get it thrown out, they have been completely dismissed. So what do we have uh, upcoming? Next week, we will have on Monday the 3rd, there is going to be the unsealing of the court documents which contain the deal that Virginia Giffray did with Jeffrey Epstein, Jeffrey Epstein's estate. Um, there have been reports that she benefited from several million dollars from that settlement. Um, does that change the fact that she should be able to bring this case? Well certainly can be argued, then absolutely not. It shouldn't change um, any any ability to bring that, that case to a civil trial. It hasn't been able to get through the threshold of a criminal trial, but um, the judge in the case has said that he will consider both the, the sides from the prosecution and Prince Andrew's defence on the next day, January 4th, and when we will probably get a very quick decision, not necessarily on that day, but I would imagine in the, in the coming days from that, whether Prince Andrew has to face a full tr civil trial in the United States next autumn it has been penciled in for. And what does that mean for the monarchy? Because we have had a situation where over the last two years, Prince Andrew has been forced to step back from public life. His reputation is absolutely in the gutter. The Queen is standing by him and paying all his legal bills. And um, in the Platinum Jubilee year, there is going to be an awful lot more to discuss with this case if it does come to trial on uh, in the autumn of next year, which is what the judge has sort of earmarked to happen, then uh, there's going to be an awful lot of discussion uh, right across the, uh, the the Queen's celebration. So potentially very, very embarrassing for the Queen and the rest of the royal family. Certain members of the royal family will be, um, you know, watching it intently, I imagine, as will Prince Andrew and his very, very expensive legal team. So again, Big news to come on January the fourth, certainly that week or the uh, you know the few days afterwards, and I suppose we'll uh, we'll find out. But I would be absolutely astonished if he got thrown out on any of these technicalities. I really do think we'll see him facing a civil trial next year. It's really interesting, and like I said, we will bring you all the updates on that next week once we've had the latest news from it. Now, just a couple of other of my highlights from the year that I wanted to discuss with you both. Prince George at the Euros yes. in that little suit celebrating, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. which was very, very cute. Um, it was lovely, one of those lovely moments where you see, obviously they're still there in their royal roles and it was very that, but the excitement very much took over and there was none of the kind of polite clapping work that they were really getting into it. William as well was cheering and celebrating and that lovely moment when they scored when Prince George got very excited. Yeah, nice pictures. I mean, that seems a distant memory now, doesn't it? Because we got, we lost in the final, unfortunately. But again, nice moment. Nice moments from the Cambridge children. I, I think whenever you look at pictures of them, they're growing up very, very fast, which seems an easy thing to say sometimes. But it's uh, it's happening before, before our eyes, and they are growing up very quickly. Definitely. And of course, the Duke and Duchess of Cambridge celebrated their 10th wedding anniversary this year with those lovely photos um, of taken in the gardens of Kensington Palace, which were really nice and really relaxed. What did you think of these ones, Ian? Yeah, they were really, really nice pictures. Very oh, relaxed. Nice. Lots nice. of blues. Lots of blues, yeah. Which, which, for Prince William being a Villa fan, I thought he would, <laughs> he would not. I don't think he was going to wear football. a football kit. <laughs> no, but going back to football for a moment, whatever anybody thinks, he's a genuine football fan. He really does yeah. love his football. He loves the villa for reasons I don't quite understand. Um, but he's passionate about about football, and it looks like it, maybe that's rubbing off onto George. I suppose we assume that George is a Villa fan, isn't he? Oh, he must be. George, well, yeah, he wouldn't let. <clears throat> must be, or he'll be sleeping in the scullery, won't he? But, um, <laughs> yeah, he's a, he's a real passionate fan. There was some. Uh, I mean, yeah, taking George to football, what a treat for. For George, but one one bit of advice from 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 someone who knows nothing about fashion: don't make him go in a jacket. And I know, I know. There's a bit of debate about that. Do you remember when they were saying oh. that they whether you have to wear a suit being there? But wasn't Ed Sheeran sitting behind them and he had a football top on? 
And he was probably, Ed Sheeran probably doesn't own yeah. a suit. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he was wearing it. It was mixed in that area. You're right. Yeah, the sort of VVI. Yeah, they should have worn a free shirt. They should have put him in a shirt. <laughs> we'll send him one. And another thing we really should have discussed when we were talking about Christmas um, it was the Duchess of Cambridge on the piano. Gosh, I well, again, okay, well, what better time to conclude because I, this was absolutely blew me away, to be honest. It, we, I didn't know that uh, she was that adept at tinkling the ivories, but she really, really impressed. And I think that um, the performance with Tom Walker was absolutely mind-blowing, to be honest. It's, uh, I think that um, speaking to people who play the piano, they said it's a very different thing to be able to just play a tune and then to be able to play with a live orchestra and a singer as well. So it was fantastic. They obviously had a lot of fun doing it. I like the story during the week about Tom Walker saying that he owed her royalties because he's yeah. it's gone. It probably could have got to number one, that song. I know we had some awful choices this year, but um, it was a lovely song. Very, very heartfelt. The, the Christmas Carol concert fortunately went ahead a couple of weeks before it was actually screened on, uh, on ITV on Christmas Eve because I think there would have been an awful lot of uh, panic about the... Uh, not necessarily the, the, you know, the surging COVID rate. So, um, yeah, really nice to be able to thank the hard work of the um, the NHS frontline heroes, the carers, all the people that have come to get this country going. I know that Kate and William did a special mention to the uh, to the NHS over Christmas as well. And again, it's going to be a real um, bedrock of their work, I think, moving forward because we're not out this mess yet, are we? Brilliant. Well, thank you so much uh, to both of you for joining me. And I, as always is with these reviews of the years, you forget how much has actually happened and how much we've had on. Thank you very much to all of our listeners for not just for listening today, but for uh, joining us for every episode for the past 12 months. We've loved recording and we'll be carrying on as usual next year. Uh, so we hope you all have a lovely New Year's eve uh, and uh, enjoy the celebrations whatever you're planning to do remember we've got the review of the fashion with myself and scott wells which will be dropping later in the uh, later in the week so thank you very much and until next time Pod save the queen. <laughs> <laughs>